Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Phil, CTO of Melillo Consulting, and we discuss Melillo's four pillars of IT, infrastructure, development, security, and data management. How Melillo helps customers implement HPE GreenLake to the fullest, and tips for evaluating candidates' culture fit when hiring. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. is the Modern CTO Podcast. So tell me a little bit about you, man. How did you first get into tech? Yeah, so I, you know, I started out, I've always enjoyed technology. I have a comp sci degree. So after college, I did a little development and programming and I did some consulting. And then I you know, joined a company where we grew through acquisition. So we started out about 200 million in revenue and grew to 2 billion in revenue in 11 year period. And we went through 28 acquisitions. So during that, I did a lot of work with consolidation efforts and tool, tool reconciliation and doing that. When I left there, I was the head of infrastructure. And then I took a CTO job at a nationally chartered bank. And at that nationally chartered bank, we really focused on supporting the fintech environment. So if you think back eight, 10 years ago, how digital banking looked, we really supported the, the people that went through and were the uh, disruptors of the, of the inv- industry. So we focused and I helped you know, launch the Google Wallet. I helped launch Apple Pay. I helped launch PayPal and all the bank and financial pieces. So those organizations that I just mentioned, they're not depositories. So they really can't do banking services. So what we wrote was an API infrastructure, and I helped design and implement that for them to really take advantage of core uh, financial services that they couldn't deliver themselves, and they had to deliver through a bank. I transitioned from there to another nationally chartered bank um, out of Manhattan, and built their infrastructure to do cross-border payments, so international transfers, utilizing outside of wire transfer. So we built um, coin technology and things that we would build back and forth. And then also we did uh, merchant acquiring, and we also did banking services like I did at the previous bank as well. So that's really in a nutshell what I've done in my career. So I have a lot of infrastructure experience. I have a lot of development experience, and I've worked with some really large um, organizations to develop, you know, solutions that really scaled out pretty pretty wide. Yeah, that's really cool. So when when you were saying that you helped launch like the Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, that wasn't just within that bank. That was like providing the infrastructure for those services. Yeah, so in, in that, so you have a, what they call a digital wallet behind that. And in order to have a digital wallet, you need to be able to deposit funds. So we helped define what that wallet looked like and the rule set that would go around it and the API infrastructure to move and change balances and things in, in and out of that wallet uh, for that platform. That's really cool. So how did you go from uh, like kind of the fintech space to find your way to Melillo today? So I've been a customer of Melillo Consulting for over 20 years. And when I was at the last bank I worked at, uh, Mark Melillo, our founder, reached out to me and said, look, I'm really going to do a transformation on my professional services organization. And I'd like to talk to you about how we can make that happen. 
So I sat down with Mark and it took probably four or five months for us to hammer through what his vision was and how I felt we could really bring it to market. And then we, we came to an agreement and I, I love solving those business problems. So Melillo, I have an opportunity to go into not just one organization, but hundreds of organizations that we support on a yearly basis and help them solve their business and their digital transformation challenges and how to implement best-in-breed solutions associated to that. So that really struck my love of what I do as an IT professional. So as a consulting firm, where is uh, Melillo's specialty? Like, what, what is the problem that companies are having that they come to you guys for? Yeah, so there's several. So really at Melilla Consulting, we really focus on what I call the four pillars of IT. So we have our infrastructure design and management organizations. So that's where you go through and you design how an infrastructure comes to be supported. Should I use on-premise hardware? Should I use on-premise storage? Should I use hyper-converged infrastructure? Should I use um, DHCI? Should I use public hypervisor? Should it be 100% in the cloud? Should it be a hyper or a, a, a hybrid environment between the two? So that one pillar that we have, I have a bunch of you know certified engineers here that, that help deploy that. I have project management that sit on top of that. And I have solution architects that can help design that solution for a customer. So that's our first pillar. Our second pillar is development. And, you know, if you first hear development, you think, oh, well, I come to this company with an idea, they're going to build me an application, and we move on. We will do that, but we don't really do that often. But we'll do that for a customer that we've had a long-term relationship with, and we'll help them define that. Really, what my development team here does is platform transformations and digital transformations within your organization. So let's say you have a monolithic application that you want to put in a containered environment out in the public hypervisor. We'll help you define how to make that from a monolithic application design to a service-oriented application design and how to scale that into containers and how to break that up so that you can develop that into, into a container platform. What we also do is platform migration. So let's say I have a customer that is either on-premise using SQL or they're in a cloud environment and they're using infrastructure as a service with a SQL server installed on top of that. And they want to transition that to a managed instance of SQL in the Azure cloud. Or they want to move it into an AWS-supported database. What we do is we go through and do an application analysis of your app, define any deprecated features that are associated, but document that for you, give you a path forward on how to redevelop that, or refactor your code so that it doesn't change the logic, but it does change how it interfaces with the resources behind it. And we can either help you with the actual development, or we can hand off the plan to your internal development staff and then have them implement it. Or we can be a hybrid scenario where we do some of the development and your team does some of the development. So that's where we focus on in our pillar two of development. Pillar three that we have is security. So application security, infrastructure security, it's a core practice of ours here. So you really can't do pillar one or pillar two without understanding security. But now I have a practice that just focuses on security 100%. So we do IT risk analysis for companies. We'll do business continuity planning for a company with you know business impact analysis. We'll do legislation. So let's say you're an organization that has PII data that you needed to secure and you fall under PCI. So we'll help you remediate from your 
um, QSA assessment in there. So let's say they have some findings that you need to shore up. We'll help you define that. We'll help you write the policies and procedures to support that. We'll do control mapping. So if you want to come in and do a NIST control mapping, we'll go through the NIST platform or uh, framework and then map that to the controls that you have in place. We'll identify anywhere you don't have controls, and then we can help you define those controls as well, whether it be a technology or a policy or procedure that would need to be put in there. And then the fourth pillar that we focus on is data management. And data management is an explosion of, of you know, data collection that's been happening over the last 30 years. I mean, 30 years ago, we collected a lot of data. We collect exponentially more data now than we ever did before. And next year or next month, it'll go continue up that exponential curve. And the, data, the amount of data that we're collecting as society, society is just tremendous. So what we help customers do is identify how to manage that data, whether it be from security. I have to classify my data because I need to make sure that I understand when it egresses or ingresses into my network, how it should be classified and how I should protect that. Can I send it to this third party? Can I not send it to this third party? Can I send it out through this vehicle or does it have to go out through another? When I store that, how do I protect it? Does it have to be data at rest encryption? When I move it around in my internal network, do I have to encrypt that? If it goes outside or traverses my network, how do I have to secure that and how do I account for it? And how do I monitor that? And then basically, where do I store it, right? Should I store it on-premise? Should I store it in a cloud? Should I cloud, you know, should I have a hybrid scenario between that um, where some of my data is on-premise and some of my data is in the cloud? And then how do I connect that and how do I account for it and how do I monitor it? So that's really what that practice is focuses on. And they're the types of answers that we, we really work with our customers or the questions that we really work with our customers to answer in that space. So in the data management, answering those questions, are you helping connect your clients to solutions in the market or do you guys have solutions that you are offering or are you acting as like a channel partner that helps like manage services of solutions that are out in the market? What, like, what does it look like? Yeah, so we play in all three of those spaces, to be honest with you. We have a management structure that we can help you define that we've developed. So we have methodologies that we bring to the table because we've done it with other customers and we've really, you know, streamlined that and really critiqued it enough. And it's now something that we're, we're very familiar with. But what I don't do is I don't take my formula and say your business needs to fit it. What I do is I listen to what the business wants. And then based on my experience and the experience of the people that do the delivery here, we take our formula and adjust it so that it fits your business and that it's scalable and um, it's something that you can support over time. Now, I do represent a lot of different products that you can buy off the shelf, and we have expertise on how to implement that. So it could be that monitoring system that I talked about. We would recommend that based on your size organization or the type of data you have or how it's laid out in your organization, this is the monitoring practice. Or product that we recommend you to implement. And these are the types of reports that you can see. And then based off of that, we can help you define your incident response management uh, plan for that. So really, it all ties together. And all four pillars are something that we understand how to do the transitions associated to that. So hearing you kind of explain your business as a whole, it sounds to me like a lot of your clients are probably like the type of companies that maybe tried or uh, you didn't like say this to me, but I'm 
imagining a lot of your clients are probably companies that tried to do this kind of stuff. Then they end up looking around and they end up finding you guys. But I guess what advice would you have for companies to be able to recognize their need to go to an outside expert like yourself for answers to these before sinking in a bunch of cost to find just to find out that they're not able to do it themselves. Yeah. To your point, Adam, events typically drive an engagement with a consulting firm, right? So a lot of events that we see that drive that would be a merger and acquisition, right? So we've had a lot of experience with that. If you're in the process of going through that, typically the, the workforce that you have pre merger already had full-time jobs. The, entity that you're going to, you know, take over or merge with, typically they all had full-time jobs. So who's going to, you know, bridge that gap as you consolidate those efforts? I would say reach out to them a little consulting and we can come in and augment your staff to help with that and then really apply our methodology associated to that. Other events would be I'm moving an application, right? It used to be an on-premise application. I want to move it into the cloud. We can do an assessment and say, does it make sense to move that application into the cloud? Because sometimes it doesn't. Because as you move applications around in your organization or out into different locations with different support models, performance can be impacted. I mean, if it's very you know, client-side dependent, where a lot of the processing happens on the client and a lot of data is moving between your app and the client itself, moving that out with a latency of a, a WAN that now sits between that, where it used to be a LAN, may have performance impact associated to that for your end user's experience. So I would say before you try that and you run into a brick wall because, and then you don't know why it's not working, bring in an expert like Melillo to look through that and say, well, let me do an application assessment for you. Let me see what is going, you know, how it works, how it moves data around in your organization, where your workloads are, what's what I call the data gravity associated to that. So how much pull does the data have for the experience that an end user will, will see? Um, And then we can help you make the right decisions so that it's seamless to your end user, your performance doesn't go down, and you make make it overall, your business partners happy with the transition associated to that. That makes sense. Another event that happens a lot is a new leader comes into an organization and there's not much documentation in that organization. They'll reach out to Melillo and say, look, I know I, I don't know what I don't know, so can you go find that out for me, right? So we'll walk through and we'll do an assessment of the infrastructure itself, document that, and then come back and tell them where we think they have um, some issues, whether it be security or performance, or they have an old deprecated piece of equipment that's not under maintenance. So we'll identify all those weaknesses and then show you the criticality associated to that. So really an event starts the conversation with us and any of those events could really start it. With the new leader event is what, what's the process like of figuring out what the state of the organization is? Is it a lot of stress testing of their systems or are you doing a lot of interviews with the frontline engineers to get like a, what's the word, qualitative understanding of what's going on? Um, or both? Uh, I'm curious what that kind of looks like in practice. So typically it's both, right? So we have automated tools that can come in and perform and and gather metrics from your organization. And then based off of that, we understand 
where the data is being pushed around in the organization, what the demands are on the infrastructure. It gives us product age associated to that. Um, we can do security scans or vulnerability scans to identify, are you up to, up to date in patching? Where is your vulnerability look, look, look like? We can scan your data to see, do I see any PII data that's in an un, unsecured location? Do I see any PII data? Because we do a lot of work with hospital networks. We do a lot of work with financial organizations and insurance companies. All of those are highly regulated organizations. And you need to make sure that your data is treated properly as it transitions through your organization. And then we sit down with the people that are managing that infrastructure and ask, you know, questions. So we walk through an interview process and we walk through and understand what their day-to-day looks like, what type of challenges they have on a on a daily basis. Is there a business person or somebody that comes to them frequently and says, I wish you could do this? Or the turnaround from my reporting changes is three weeks and the, your business customer wants that done in a week or, or they want a digital dashboard that they can manage in, on their own. So we can help define solutions around that. So you uh, describing those interviews just kind of made me curious about uh, you at such a an organization with such a broad scope, what does your day-to-day actually look like? So my day-to-day is I spend probably 60 to 70% of my time with our customers, understanding what their their, their issues are and helping to find solutions for them um, and managing our solution architects and helping them define our new solutions and things of that sort. And then the, the rest of that 40% is being the executive, right? So I do manage from an executive perspective here, the financials of the organization that I have to support and the contract language and also partners that we bring in to help. So obviously we have partnerships with HPE and Dell and other product support. We need to manage those relationships as much as we manage our customer relationships too, because we need to understand their new product, their new offerings and how that can fit into a solution that we're going to design for a customer. Yeah, I actually saw on the Melillo website a section on HP GreenLake platform because uh, and that piqued my interest just because we actually had HPE's CIO uh, Rashmi on the show pretty recently, um, and so I'm curious. Like, I know that they they do a lot of work with like channel partners to like sell and manage their services. Is that like the kind of relationship that you have with them? Absolutely. So we have a very tight relationship with HPE. We're a platinum partner with them. Um, we're very familiar with their consumption-based model, which they refer to as GreenLake. Um, it's a very powerful tool for an end user. So you can pay for what you utilize in your data center. So you have the security of an infrastructure that is maintained in a colo or your local data center that you support with the ability to pay, pay for what you use. And it can be scalable. So you can quickly scale that infrastructure as needed, very similar to that you can do in the, in, the, in the public hypervisor with much more control and flexibility associated to how to solve your business problems. Is, is pay for what you use not the norm in terms of uh, like cloud services? So cloud services, well, public hypervisors, you've always looked at that as you pay as you go or you can have reserved instance. In a traditional infrastructure where it was in your data center, it was typically what was referred to as a capital expense where you would purchase that equipment and then right. you would amortize that over a period of time on your books. So an organization would carry that asset in their accounting books. With pay-as-you-go or a consumption-based model, 
that asset never reaches your books and it's not amortized. It moves into an operational expense and it gives you a lot of flexibility in cash flow. It gives you a lot of flexibility in scaling. And with a GreenLake deal, typically you're utilizing 80% of the infrastructure that's installed with a burst capability of 20%. So as your business grows, you don't have to reach out to the channel partner of Melillo to purchase another you know, disk array or additional compute power. It's already been installed on your organization based on the fact that HPE and Melillo come in and help you with the capacity planning. So on a quarterly basis, we come in and say, this is what you've utilized in the past quarter. This is what we're expect, you know, projecting you're going to use in the new quarter. We're going to adjust your, your burst capabilities. So we're going to bring online more capacity for you. And then we're going to bring in additional hardware to make sure the 80-20 ratio remains in your organization so that you have that burst ability. So that long-term capacity planning that we used to have to do 10 years ago as an organization within an IT group now is being managed by a manufacturer, which understands how to do that. And there's you know specific tool sets that we're going to install, AI and things like that, that help us define that. And then our you know industry experience in doing this. I've been you know in this seat for 25 years and HPE's been around for many, many more years than that and I'm working in technology. So do you ever build in more than a 20% buffer if, for example, you're working with a company that's in an industry that's susceptible to like hype, uh, like if, if they're in the crypto space or social media or something um, where like you could see higher than, than usual? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really dependent on the customer, right? So the 80-20 is the rule where we start at. Mm-hmm. And then based on the understanding we get when we sit down with a customer, we define a solution that's going to meet their needs. You're right. If there is hyper growth in that organization, we may recommend more than that 20% associated to that so they can keep up with their workload. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but also you want to make sure you can get it right. Yeah. Um, but so when you were talking about the infrastructure pillar and the four pillars, you were you mentioned hyperconverged infrastructures, which I am not familiar with what that is. Can you break that down for me? Yeah, so hyperconverged infrastructure is compute, storage, and memory in one deliverable and envelope. So the opposite of that would be three-tier, right? So you have your memory and your compute and everything, and then you have your storage in a separate array. This consolidates those and makes a storage, compute, and memory frame or network that you can use. And that's why we call it hyper-converged. So as you scale one component, the other components scale in succession with it so that it makes capacity planning much easier. Um, and that's based on a lot of research and a lot of analysis over the years of how those resources grow in tandem. Okay. So like a, a, when it's not hyper-converged, it's like you're dealing with three different, maybe not different vendors, but like different sources for those services and Correct. you have to on your own scale up pay pay more when you need to purchase more for each well you're supporting three individual components right so you have your your memory and compute you have your networking that connects them and then you have your storage environment and that traditional three tier you're increasing each of those independently so you need a storage expert you need a network expert and you need a computer or a computing 
you know, host expert associated to that to manage those three organizations. With a hyper-converged, you have single-button upgrades. You have, if you want to expand the infrastructure, you add another node into that, and it automatically increases that capacity in scale across all three of those those areas. Cool. That, that makes sense. Thanks for, for explaining that for me. I, I also want to hear a little bit about, I guess, just because I've, I've been thinking a lot about IOT recently with uh, some interviews we've done. Uh, we had this one company called Augury that has uh, these devices that like listen to your machines on a manufacturing floor and run AI on like the sound waves that these little IOT devices pick up to evaluate the health of, of the machines and do preventative maintenance and stuff. Um, I thought it was just a really cool uh, device and offering, especially as an audio engineer. Um, but, uh, so I, I've, that being said, I've just been thinking about IOT and I'm curious, do you guys like, uh, partner with anybody in that space and, uh, offer IOT solutions to any of your, your clients? We do. And we've done some interesting work in that space. So yeah, we have sent, we've, we've worked with sensor data, similar to what you were just explaining for physical plant of a building, right? So Let's say you have a building and you have air conditioning and power and you know power and all that stuff. So it would collect vibration data from an air conditioner to see if there's a belt or a fan or something that's off balance and and manage that over time and do trend analysis associated to that. We do and it would take temperature readings and stuff throughout the facility and from that it would do predictive maintenance associated to the physical plant infrastructure that's there. In addition to that, you have the same thing that runs within an an IT organization, right? So it can take and do predictive analytics within your organization from a security perspective. So that's all, it's not necessarily IoT, but it's predictive analytics associated to your organization. So it's about trend analysis within data points that are captured. We've worked with an organization that puts IoT devices on buses and tracks that and um, it's like the black box for a bus. And we collect that data and help them with the analytics. You know, they have their own proprietary analytics associated to that, but we've built the infrastructure to support it. And we helped connect all the IoT communications back to that. What kind of insights and optimizations do you get from running analysis on the black box of a bus, as, as you said? Well, some of it could be preventive maintenance. Like, you know, there's vibration here or there's, you know, it's, it, it, you know, the fuel efficiency has gone down. So are we overcapacitizing that bus? If there's an, a, a vibration, does that need to go into maintenance? Because if you can do a preventive maintenance, maybe that bus is down for less time because you can quickly switch out a part before it actually fails. And then you get it back into service more quickly. Um, or you can prevent side of the road failures where you have a bus full of people and you have to send out another bus to transition. And nobody, that you know, it's a bad day for everybody that was on that bus for sure. <laughs> yeah. So they're the types of things. And then, you know, the black box also is just like a black box in a plane. When it does have an accident or a, a traffic you know, issue, data from the bus can, be, can take, be taken and used for whatever purposes they need it to be. It could be legal aspect. It could be maintenance. It could be how many people were on the bus. There's a lot of different areas that people would use that data associated to it. So uh, I'm curious to hear a little bit about what the work culture is like at Melillo. Cause I have um, a good friend of mine works at uh, another large consulting firm. And uh, for, for him, he's like a 
lower level consultant. He's just kind of like put on a job to figure out how to help this company find a solution. And when he's on a job, it's like 12 hour days, five to six days a week. Um, and then he gets, he just gets like time off to recharge and that's how they find balance, uh, for like their work-life balance. And he, he thinks it's awesome for him because he really enjoys the time off and the work he does. But I'm curious that that's my only secondhand experience of a consulting firm. What's the, what's the work culture like at Melillo? So we try to be a little more strategic than that. We don't like to overcapacitize one of our employees. Um, and the way we do that is we have a dedicated project management office here that manages that. Not only our resources that are working on a project, but also the customer's resources. So there's a synergy associated to that. Um, I'm not going to say that there's never an opportunity where I have, I've asked you know consultants to work extra hours because if you're doing a migration and it's over a weekend and you have a very specific point in time to do that, we're obviously all going to circle the wagons and do that. We try, try to time shift people where we can bring one resource in to replace another resource so that we don't have somebody working 24 hours a day. But we're a very family-oriented organization. Um, we're all focused on customer service. That's our number one aspect here. We want to make sure that our customers have white glove um, support associated when we engage with them. Everybody you know, delivers what we call the Melillo way. And the Melilla way is customer service first. And then, you know, making sure that when we make a recommendation for a solution, that we feel very confident in that. And I never want any of my delivery agents, my solution architects, or even my project managers to feel like they're unsupported in, an, in, in a delivery. If they feel uncomfortable with a the technology, there is somebody here at Melilla that I can pair them with that is an expert in that. So... We are very supportive in our delivery. I never put somebody out there and just tell them to figure it out because we've been there before. We've done that before. Um, and we have that experience. So we've been in business for over 34 years. And throughout that transition, we've seen a lot of transformational activities in IT. I mean, if you think back 34 years ago, you were installing HPE PDP 11s. You know, we're not doing that anymore. Um, it's completely different how you manage that. Networking has changed tremendously. Security has changed tremendously. And the solutions and the, the scale of the solutions have changed quite a bit as well. That's that's awesome. That's uh, It sounds like you, you've reached a scale that you're able to provide a mu- like a much more stable environment. So that's really cool. What, what are some attributes that you look for when you're hiring and finding great people that are able to like just... I, I I think of consultants as some of like the smartest people because they just have to be really malleable with figuring out like how to they're the expert that are brought in. I'm sorry, I'm butchering this question. Uh, but what are what are some attributes that you look for in hiring great consultants? Yeah, so the first thing is I look at will they fit our culture, right? Are they going to make sure that you know the Malula way is pushed forward? Do they have that? you know, that drive to be customer centric, right? And then the next thing is, do they have a command for the the technology that I'm asking them to work within, right? So there's some technical aspects associated to that. So if somebody's coming to me and they want to be, you know, they're representing themselves as an expert in Microsoft, I'm going to want to understand what area of Microsoft they have expertise in, or if they're an expert at HPE and Synergy, 
you know, I want to vet the fact that they understand how to install that and how to implement that and how that is created or how that's, you know, managed in an organization. And then the next thing is, you're right, I do look for people that are flexible, right? So I like look at people that understand the technology they're in, but that they have that thirst to learn other things, right? I don't want somebody that's going to stay stagnant in one application or one area because things do change, right? Even in Microsoft, if you're a Microsoft expert, Microsoft has changed in the last 34 years. It's not the same, you know, NT40 and Exchange 5.5 and I'm installing it. Now I'm transitioning people into an Office 365 location or I'm using the Azure cloud and I'm connecting that through Azure Stack to an infrastructure that I'm now building SimpliVity, right? And so there's a lot of transition, a lot of complexity associated to that. And I look for their ability to work with others too, because not there's never one project where I have one person doing 100% of the delivery. So they need to be able to work in a group environment, not only with peers from Malolo, but our partners that we have at the customers too. They need to be able to be, you know, with the right demeanor and not get upset if you know somebody says no. We need to help them explain or understand why they're saying no. It's not always what we say is right. It's about making sure that what we what we've designed fits the customer's requirements too. So for the the technical acumen there, like you said, there's test f- tests for that to figure out like exactly what people know. But for like the, the culture fit and the desire to learn more, how do you evaluate that when I mean, you only have so many rounds of interviews to talk to a person, you know, what, what are your evaluation tactics there? Yeah, so typically it's a conversation very similar than you and I are having right now. It's kind of like a back and forth. You know, I ask them to tell them, tell me a little bit about what you're doing and 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 you know what you've done in the past, you know, couple years, and what did you like about it? Um, was there any adversity that you in that you found yourself in at one point? How did you overcome that? You know, was there ever a, a disagreement that you had to diffuse? Walk me through what you did there. And it kind of really evolves from how they respond back to me. And I kind of, you know, walk through through that to see how they would respond. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, do you do any like mentorship in your career, like helping raise up the next generation of leaders? Yeah, so I do a lot of work in that space. I'm a member of Philadelphia SIM, so Society of Information Managers. Uh, not necessarily mentorship there. Uh, you know, other CIOs, so we communicate on how we do things and what we see working in the organization. I certainly do mentorship for people that work here at Malolo. So I do bring people in and I help bring them up to the next level. I always want to see people progressing in their career. And I spend a lot of time doing that. And I've worked with other organizations where I've gone in and taught, you know, classes or had, you know, speaking engagement where I go through and and help that. And if anybody ever reaches out to me and asks if they want to, you know, have me as a mentor, I certainly evaluate that. And I make sure that it's something that's going to be valued to me and value to the individual that wants to be mentored. Because I learn a lot by mentoring, too, because you see different perspectives. You see that next generation, how they're looking at things. So it's really interesting on both sides of that fence, for sure. So what's what's like one piece of advice you would give to someone that is, has been an individual contributor for years and they're just now moving into management for the first time? So I would say, you know, that transition starts before the day you start as a manager, right? And my recommendation for individuals that are thinking about going in that in that path is look at the managers that you've had in your career, identify what they've done well in your opinion, and identify what they've done 
you know, not so well in your opinion, and then evaluate the effectiveness of what they've done. Um, you're not always going to agree with what a manager does, but you have to look at beyond what is happening in that scenario. So compensation is a model that we can use. Um, you mentioned giving vacation and stuff like that, but, you know, changing somebody's, you know, direction, you, you kind of have to do that. You know, sometimes you go to the carrot and sometimes you go to a stick. Um, I like to go to the carrot more often, right? So it's easier to help entice somebody than to try and force them in that direction. So for me, it's really evaluate the people that are around you and see how they do it. Because we all learn from what we've seen in the past. Read, um, read books. Uh, there's a lot of great books out there to show what management techniques are available. And again, make it your own. Not one person's management style is going to fit you to a T. And I adjust my management style based on the people that work for, for me too. So you have to be... You know, again, where I say the formula I have doesn't always fit the business I'm going into. The formula I have as a manager sometimes gets changed a little bit based on the work team that I have under me. So when I work with a high-level development team, I may motivate them in different different ways than if I'm working with an infrastructure team or a networking team or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, everybody learns differently, like their best way. You know, you got to be able to cater to that. Yeah, so everybody learns differently and everybody's motivated differently too. So yes. figure out what your team's motivation is and adjust that. Make sure that it still meets your goals, but make sure that you can meet their goals too. So before we wrap up, I want to give like an, a, a one last kind of shout out for, for Melillo or wherever you want to draw some focus. Um, what's like, what, is there anything we didn't get to cover that we want to make sure that we touch on at the end here? We've covered a lot of different areas, and I think we've covered everything that I had on my mind. Um, definitely, if anybody out there is, is looking for a, a conversation with somebody here at Mawilla can help solve business problems or help with an implementation or a challenge that you have in an IT setting, I would say, you know, please reach out to us for sure. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.